0: Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21. Thanks for joining us. And today, we are again looking at a great saint and doctor of the church, Hildegard, St. Hildegard, and we're going to be looking at her teaching on 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. And in case you're kind of joining us late in this series of Luke 21, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians are probably the most concentrated section of prophetic teaching in the entire Bible. So the fact that she taught on it is big stuff. But first, I've got a pretty big announcement. On January 1st, uh, 2024, Uh, Luke 21 is gonna enter uh, a second phase in that we are going to be going to a video format like YouTube type format. And don't worry, if you like Luke 21 in the audio format, we're gonna have that too. We're gonna have dual formats of Luke 21 and that's all Lord willing. We've been working for several months to get this up and running and we'll have it ready again, Lord willing, on January 1st. So I'm asking you to tell your friends about Luke 21. They can join us now, as well as pray for us as we pull that together. So let's see what St. Hildegard said about First Thessalonians. And it's interesting too, that Pope Benedict, towards the end of his, his reign as Pope, uh, pointed us to St. Hildegard and her teaching. And I find it so interesting that she taught on 1 Thessalonians chapter four. Now, you may or may not be aware, 1 Thessalonians four is the chapter of the Bible where the rapture at any moment folks think they get their uh, information from about the rapture. And St. Hildegard is teaching on 1 Thessalonians chapter four, and it's what the church always taught. And if you wanna use the term rapture, You use it biblically, as she did, as referring to the resurrection of the body at the second coming. And let me let you hear her words describing that event. I don't hear too many people, Catholics, uh, teaching on it in our day. And behold, all the human bones in whatever place in the earth they lay were brought together in one moment, and covered with their flesh. And they all rose up with limbs and bodies intact, each in his or her gender, with the good glowing brightly and the bad manifest in blackness, so that each one's deeds were openly seen. And when, as you saw, the divine command to rise again resounds, the bones of the dead, wherever they may be, are brought together in one moment and covered with their flesh. They will not be hindered by anything. But if they were consumed by fire or water or eaten by birds or beasts, they will be speedily restored, and so the earth will yield them. And so all people will rise again in the twinkling of an eye, in soul and body, with no deformity or mutilation, but intact in body and in gender. Fascinating what she is saying here. I have found when I teach 1 Thessalonians 4 about the resurrection of the body or teach from the catechism about the resurrection of the body, people have questions like, what about sailors at sea, particularly during wartime who are buried at sea? and obviously the body's going to be decaying in the ocean. And she properly says, no matter where their bodies or remains were, um, and even if they're scattered, in a moment they're gonna be coming together and from whatever's left, perhaps just the little strands of DNA to a whole decaying body, whatever it is, they'll be changed in a moment. And I just found it kind of interesting in our day where everybody wants to change, not everybody, a small percentage of the population wants to change their gender. She says each will be raised intact in his or her gender. And um, so it's very interesting. This comes from First Thessalonians chapter four. Again, this is the quote unquote rapture chapter of the Bible. And what was going on, is that these new Catholics were catechized by St. Paul, but he had to leave under a persecution moment, and he was very concerned with these folks, and they were concerned because they had some of their people die before the second coming of Christ, and they were concerned that they wouldn't be a part of the resurrection of the body, and Paul writes to basically calm them down, and, and he says, now concerning those who have fallen asleep, and that means uh, it's a euphemism for Christians dying. It's not like the end of existence. It's just, it's a moment waiting for the second coming of Christ, and he says when Christ comes, the dead will be raised, but he says the dead in Christ will be raised first And then, and this is where you see all the rapture movies and everything else, their timings way off. But basically he says, then we who are alive, because there will be a generation alive when Christ returns, they will be raised too, but don't be worried about your relatives or friends who have died, they're gonna go first. And that's what 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is all about. And then she accurately says, this will happen in one moment. And that's from first corinthians 15 you're seeing a scripture scholar here a doctor of the church pull together a lot of scriptures on this event in first corinthians 15 starting in verse 51 saint paul says i tell you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed." And it's very interesting, in the Greek, this word for moment is the Greek word that we now get the word atom from. It's like an indivisible unit, or if um, St. Paul was alive today and writing in current vernacular, he would say, we'll be raised in a nanosecond. It'll take that long for all the bodies everywhere in the earth. And she says you need to be aware too, that even if somebody died and birds or animals ate their bodies, and I don't know if this is true, but I did read one of the sadistic things was practiced in the Colosseum of feeding Christians to the lions so their body wouldn't have a resurrection, because whatever their body was composed of would be assimilated into the lion or whatnot. And even if that occurred, the resurrection will take place. Now, she says something that's neglected seriously by the rapture at any moment, folks, that really the wider public needs to hear, she says that all people will be raised. And the rapture at any moment things, it's, you know, like if you're a member of our church and you think like us, you'll be raptured, but maybe everybody else and certainly Catholics be left behind and all this stuff. No. At that moment, at the time of the second coming, and the last trumpet. This is what 1 Thessalonians 4 is talked about. And she is basically just right down the line, and she's saying, all people will be raised. The wicked and the righteous will be raised. And even those who have been cremated and their ashes thrown into the sea somewhere, they will be raised bodily for all eternity. The righteous will be raised bodily to have a blessed eternity. Jesus himself said, do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming where all who are in the tombs, those are the people who are dead, will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of the judgment. So, St. Hildegard just nails it as far as the teaching on 1 Thessalonians. Then she talks about 2 Thessalonians, and the key passage regarding the great apostasy, which refers to the great falling away, is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, which has been, for whatever reason, the most important parts of 2 Thessalonians 2 have been deleted from the lectionary in the United States, the Catholic lectionary. But this is what she says. By the way, she quotes 2 Thessalonians 2, unlike our lectionary, and she says, "For the people of that time will shun the integrity and stability of the true faith and retreat from the true God. That's apostasy, turning themselves instead to the son of perdition," citing 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. And it's very interesting. Say You turn from God, you fall away from God, and we're in the middle of at least an apostasy at that moment. It's kind of difficult to say if this is the great apostasy or a warm-up apostasy, but in any case, when the Antichrist comes, there's an apostasy first, and if you're not following Christ faithfully, you'll fall for the son of perdition. That's what she's saying and let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion comes first. And then she quotes explicitly 2 Thessalonians chapter two. Then she says, this epoch, this time will have leaders who blacken themselves with misery and wallow in the mud of impurity. They will infringe the divine law by fornication and other like evils and will plot to diverge from the holiness of God's commands. And then she goes on about the Antichrist. Remember, the apostasy precedes the Antichrist. The Antichrist will be infused by the devil, and when he opens his mouth to teach perversity, he will destroy all that God has established within the ancient and new law. Talking about the scriptures. And he will assert that sexual immorality and other like things are not sins at all. He will also assert that all the commandments concerning chastity were made in ignorance. Sounds like she was describing some folks we know of over in Germany. And not just the people teaching it, but St. Paul says there's going to be itching ears at the last time. In other words, there's going to be a ready audience to hear such teachings, and this is what she says. In his domination, he will assume so great a number of the people to him that the Son of God must be left with a paltry number of the faithful in comparison to his own." That one takes my breath away, because she's saying how in the end times that the greater part, not just of those out there so to speak, but those in here, those professing Christians are going to be deceived. And it really bothers me that if you look at the polls, Protestant, Protestant evangelical and Catholic, especially as you go down in age, uh, the younger ages, have basically adopted a view of morality that mirrors our secular culture already while professing to believe in Christ. That has a continuum, and that leads to somewhere, at least to the Antichrist, and that's why St. Paul, the rest of the prophets, the scriptures, Jesus himself, warn against that day, including St. Hildegard. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to Catholic Bible Prophecy with Luke 21. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.